Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. It's another episode of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, joined, as always, by Mark Rosen. This is a Vikings Entertainment Network production, and you're listening to Skull Stories on FM 100.3 The Fan. Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, Vikings country, you can join host Mike Musman along with Everson Griffin for Vikings country on Tuesday, October 8th. From 5.30 to 8.30 at Hoppers in Waconia, presented by Miller Lite. You could win great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. Now, the subject of tonight's show is one of our favorites. Bench warmer Bob. Bob Lertz, I'm a Rosie. I know you have some stories about Lertz. Yeah, you talk about school stories. Uh, we're talking about a folk hero here, uh, and I think... <laughs> Anyone uh, who's been following the Vikings for how many years is aware of uh, the name Bob Lertzema. And his story is unique, um, coming here from the New York Giants uh, to the Vikings in 1972. But not so much what he did on the field, though there's there's one particular play which we will definitely get into uh, with the Miami Dolphins. But what he did off the field and how how benchwarmer Bob Lertzema became benchwarmer Bob Lertzema. And uh, one of the most recognizable figures in the Twin Cities. So, uh, yes, lots of stories to be had. Yeah, and, you know, folks are going to listen to this, Rosie, and they're going to see, if they if they don't already know Lertz, they're going to hear that he's a very gregarious, fun-loving guy. <laughs> so for, for you, Mark, when you were covering teams, or even mm-hmm. now as you're still around teams, when you get a personality like that, it helps, you know, it helps brighten up the room and it helps make things more colorful in what can sometimes become a mundane process of covering teams, right? Well, there's certain guys you just gravitate to, and we, we, we call them go-to guys, even when things aren't going well. Um, you know, players can, this just in, can become a little moody to deal with. And mm-hmm. Lurtzy was one of those guys and uh, that was always available <laughs> and always interesting to put a microphone in front of. And he would give you some good perspective on the game. It wasn't like he was just, a, you know, this, this colorful figure that did commercials. I mean, he knew what was going on and he would give you some tremendous insight even if he wasn't playing all that much. So, yeah, he was one of those guys who was an easy guy to go to after interviews for, for, for games. All righty, looking forward to this conversation. Here's Rosie with bench warmer Bob Lertzema. And, yes, the one and only Bob Lertzema does join me. And, Lertzema, this is kind of like going uh, full circle. I, I believe you were my first interview uh, back in the day, I believe 1972, I mean, Paige wouldn't talk to me, Marshall wouldn't talk to me, Eller wouldn't talk to me, but here's Bob Lertzman, and I'm his geeky kid coming up to you with a microphone. Do you recall that? Absolutely, I do. You young punk kid back then. <laughs> <laughs> you and I always talked. You always did a great job. So, no, it, it, it was fun to be able to help you out. Sometimes those guys, you know, I, I don't understand why they don't talk to the media, but, but uh, I was glad to help out and enjoyed, uh, enjoyed you ever since. Tell us your road to uh, the Minnesota Vikings after starting your NFL career with the New York Giants. How you ended up here and uh, and started this amazing chapter in your life? Well, actually, I'm, it's tough for me to talk right now. I'm celebrating my first game ball, my 50-year anniversary of my first game ball. I've been partying pretty heavy, so if I come across <laughs> incoherently, let me know because... Uh, <laughs> 1969, Minnesota Vikings were 12 and two. Mm-hmm. They lost the opener, and then they lost the last game to Atlanta. But who they lose the opener to was the, was the New York Giants. And uh, 
I was the one who got the game ball. We no won kidding. 24 to 22. Yeah. And uh, we won 24-23 as my first first game ball of the eighth that I got throughout my career. But that was my first one, so I, rem- I, I really remember that. You know, it's funny, Rosie. I, I was going to uh, take it to the <laughs> to the Legends weekend. Right. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, just to have fun with it. But I thought, oh, it, it's their time to celebrate. But everybody that I talked to over there said, oh, Lurch, you should have brought it. That's funny. But anyway... Yeah, that gets back to your question. Um, I started out with the Baltimore Colts on the practice squad, then I got traded to the Giants for a fifth-round draft choice, played five years there, of course. And then uh, I was player rep. <laughs> I got in, in uh, Wellington Mayor, the owner of the New York Giants. Great guy. I mean, once a giant, always a giant. Well, he asked me to do a survey since I was player rep. And he, he thought he was losing me poor with the team. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I did it. Came back, there was no report whatsoever. I didn't have one positive thing <laughs> to say about him being in the locker room. And he was in the locker room all the time. He had to watch what you say this and that, right? So he said, Bob, uh, what were the results of your survey? Well, not real smooth when that guy asked me, asked me a question. I said, Mr. Mayor, I said, you have no report players whatsoever. How'd that work out for you? And, you know, well, th- that, from that moment on till the next day, I lost a step. I was put on waivers the next day. And remember, this is a true story. I put on waivers the next day, and then when they ask, uh, now a five-year regular, all-pro, double-digit sack seasons, blah, 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 right? Well, when they ask Mr. Mayor, why did it, Bob, well, he lost a step. That's funny. Well, Rosie, listen. Yeah, but listen, this is the, I mean, think how good I was, how fast I was. <laughs> I ended up playing seven more years, uh, five with the Minnesota Vikings and with Fran Tarkington again, two with Seattle when I got traded for Rashad. Yeah, how about, but we'll get into that in a minute because you were traded for Ahmad Rashad. Yeah. You played with Fran Tarkington both with New York, as you mentioned, when you got the game ball against the Vikings, and then again with Fran here in Minnesota, and uh, so you guys had you guys were linked one way or another, and we know what Fran Tarkenton meant to this franchise. What did he mean to you as a teammate? Well, Fran had total control of the of the team. By that I mean offensively and defensively. He was pretty much uh, the, the spokesman. It's funny. Uh, his father was a minister, and Kurt shows Kurt Cousins. And I asked Cousins the other day at Dunkers if he ever talked to Target, and since both of them mm-hmm. uh, were brought up as a son of a minister on Sunday, they were in the church pew, and now on some Sundays they're in the locker room, we'll lose the NFL team. You know, and I wondered if, you know, if there's a little bit, a little bit of difference in those uh, situations. Right, right. But I said, you ever talk to Fran since they were brought up the same way? And he had just talked to Fran the day before. But anyway, uh, uh, I asked that question because uh, Fran, Fran uh, I mean, he threw a party even after he retired. Took the alumni down to his golf course and picked up the tab for all of us. He really appreciated us. We, it was a lot different back then. We, we loved sure. each other. We would have played for less, Mark, which, which you're well aware of. We loved the game and we loved the fans. As long as I've known you, I've never really quite uh, asked you this question about the background story, how you became... <laughs> 
benchwarmer Bob Lertzema, local television commercials, TCF Bank, you became the face of it. How, did they approach you? How did that conversation go? Because as a backup to this, you know, purple people eaters, you're not getting a lot of playing time. You are, you know, at, at very significant times, but you became such an iconic figure. How did that? How did that happen? Well, the thing is, I kept it going because I played bad on Sunday on purpose, so I wouldn't take uh, Eller and Page from the Hall of Fame. No, we got the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's what it was. Jim Lovedahl worked for Colomick Boy Advertising Agency, Mm -hmm. and they represented uh, Twin City Federal. And uh, Jim Lovedahl came up with, like, let's take somebody who's a complete unknown, different name, a backup, good looking. So I nailed three of the four. <laughs> so yeah, you can guess which one I didn't nail. But then we went in, and uh, because they interviewed different names, they interviewed Godfrey Zahnbreaker, Carl mm-hmm. Gershbag, and then Bob Lurt. Well, when they showed it, I read the script. They took the three of us in separately, and uh, they, we read the first one. You know, you probably don't recognize me, my hell at all. Mm-hmm. I put my helmet on. I said, come to think of it, you don't recognize me and my helmet on either. They read me, and, and I thought, I said, I don't care who you pick. This is great. Because it's easy to make fun of yourself if you're doing the best that you can and, and you don't make no mistakes. I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody in the state of Minnesota knew you. At some at one point or another, I think you got you took a picture with pretty much everyone. As much notoriety as Fran had, and you know, Paige Eller, Marshall. You go down the list. Everybody loved Bob Lertzma. Everybody stopped you in the street, and you were always very kind to everyone. Took pictures, autographs. I mean, you were like the ultimate politician back in the early seventies. I don't think there was a baby you didn't kiss, um, an autograph you didn't sign, a picture. This is long before selfies ever were around. But my goodness, everybody knew who you were. That one week, basketball week, uh, they had a, we were on the air 135 times, you know, the commercial. You're in sitting in your home, and then when they're making fun of me, and I'm not starting, and then, of course, I go in the game and got lucky enough that everybody else got double teamed. Nobody blocked me, so I got a sack, right? Right. And they all say, well, he should, he should be starting. Well, now, all of a sudden, the people that are watching me are saying, I'm getting, they're messing with me and my job, as well as Bob. Bob should be starting. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get a bond. It, it, it's really, I mean, an average commercial uh, uh, idea is two or three years. You know, this went 12 years. Amazing. So I, was in a, I, was, I was in your home, in your living room, so you could trust me. I mean, mm-hmm. I was there every day in your living room. And, and, uh, and then I, I was, as much fun as they were making of me, that's the way I, I was in person. Okay, more to come with Rosie and Lertzema after this break. But before we go, remember to join Paul Allen and Paul Charchian at Buffalo Wild Wings in Monticello on Friday from 9 to noon for the Friday Football Feast. The Feast is presented by Coors Light. Check out the complete schedule at vikings.com and on the Paul Allen Show page at kfan.com. More Skull Stories with Bob Lertzema after this.
Hey everyone, it's Skull Stories. I'm your host, Wabi. Bob Lertzema, a long-standing member of the Vikings family. He played for the Vikings from 1972 to 1976. In the Purple People Eater era, defensive end and defensive tackle. Played in two Super Bowls for the Vikings. Before coming to Minnesota, though, Lertzi was with the New York Giants from 1967 to 1971 finished his career in 1977 with the seattle seahawks a lot of folks around here also know lurtsy because he owned two restaurants bench warmer bob's sports cafes here locally in the twin cities so bob lurtsima has been a member of the vikings community for many years rosie and lurtsima their conversation continues right now on skull stories There was one moment, Bob, on the football field, which you'll never forget. The Miami Dolphins will never forget it. For longtime Viking fans, they may know the story, but for newer Viking fans, they may not. In 1972, the unbeaten Miami Dolphins were about to get beat by the Vikings at Met Stadium. The Vikings had them on the ropes. You were called for a uh, roughing the passer penalty on quarterback Bob Greasy, which enabled the Dolphins to not only keep the ball, but go in and take, take the lead and hold on to the win. And they've been celebrating you ever since that, because without that play, they do not... <laughs> They do not end up unbeaten, right? And I'm sure you've had a lot of love, a lot of laughs over the years with that play. I, I don't remember that. You, you okay. made that up. Yeah. And for the record, <laughs> you know, it was not. You know, pa- it was yeah. It was not roughing the passer. No, no. Here, here right? Because uh, Bud Grant said, "Here's the deal. It was 1972. We're, we're ahead 13-10, and about four minutes to go, and a fourth down play. I'm in. I'm in the pass rush." And Greasy throws the ball, and I turn, and uh, I see Fleming miss the ball. Hey, we, you know, we won. We could kill the mm-hmm. clock. So I trip over a yellow flag, and uh, I said, well, somebody was probably holding me, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, it was on me. I said, I love Greasy. Uh, we watched the film. Now, this is the importance of one one call, okay? It's no different than the no call. How it, how it can affect the season a team, everything, because it was a bad call, but Grant said, don't change the thing, Lurch, that was a bad call. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that one bad call took us out of the playoffs, and a lot of people thought was a, that was the best team that the Vikings had, because we lost the first four or five games by three or four points, And but that, that kept us out of a potential playoff spot and allowed the Miami Dolphins to go undefeated. One bad call. And, and here's something else. The Hail Mary, uh, Mark. Mm-hmm. I did the promotion with Drew Pearson. I threw, I said, you pushed off. He said, Bob, of course I pushed off. You know <laughs> it, and I know it, but I'm never going to admit it to anybody. So I was in on that play, too. Mark Mulaney and I were both playing tackle. They had Mark going on left tackle, right, and I was right tackle. And you were rushing Roger Staubach. I ran what we call a deal. We just do an X when Mark goes first, and I cut behind him. That's the two defensive tackles. So just Google up Hail Mary and watch the two tackles, knowing that Mark was going first, and the left tackle, I step up and I cut behind him. If you look at the film, they didn't hold Mulaney. John Lennon tackled Mulaney. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. Hold. yeah. Anyway, that's why officiating is so important. Well, it is, and that 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 play I've I've seen it a thousand times. And Mulaney was tackled. I've talked to him about it. It was his most blatant thing I've ever seen. And of course, if Drew Pearson would have pushed off in today's game, he could have thrown a red challenge flag because the rules have changed now, where he can actually challenge 
uh, pass interference, whether it be defensive or offensive pass interference. But that was a long time ago, but long, long, long before they had replay and, and the new rules as well. Um, well, Bob, let's uh, let's segue into this year's Vikings team. I know you keep the tabs every single Sunday on what's going on with this club, and they're two and two going into New York against your old team on Sunday afternoon. Uh, there's a feeling, maybe a sky is falling feeling about uh, the two losses on the road. Uh, what's going on with Kirk Cousins? But what are your overall view of where this team is and where they need to go? Well, I really feel in my heart if they don't win this week, they're out. I know it's a long season, but you look at the end of the season, mm-hmm. the next five games, three of, three of them are played at night, fine time, five of the next nine. I mean, they have a terrible, terrible schedule because night games are, are, are so tough on the, on the player because you wait all day and let's get the game started, you know. And their schedule is just brutal for, for Thursday night and Monday night games as well as when the week, they have the week off. They don't go. They don't play the following Monday night. The schedule's going to kill them. So I really feel you got a team like the Giants. Jones is playing so much better uh, every week. They, I just talked to a couple guys in New York mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. They said he's improving the leaps and bounds. But their defense is so vulnerable. The Giant defense is that if Cousins and Cook do not have a good day. I hate to say it, but that schedule, bad as it is the rest of the season, your, your screen, you know, your window is just, it's so short. You know, you have to take advantage of it, man. The little things make it go. It's no different than, than I think Zimmer when they had 12 men in the field. He called timeout. I'm like, boy, that's a dumb, dumb timeout. But then I find out that there were 12 men on the field. Right. I mean, and that's a big turning point. Oh, man, because the window is so short, you don't want to miss that opportunity to potentially improve your chances of winning, be a better, better team. Well, it happened, okay, in the, right. it, it happened in the right. NFC title game in 2009. We recall that 12th man in the field as well with Brett Favre. So there have been even worse moments when oh, that's happened for the Vikings. Oh, so. hey, you want to hear the rest of the story on that? Very quickly. We used to have the, we used to have the 14 men hollow, right? The last second, three guys would run off the field. We might have a five-man line, a four-man line, or even I might play linebacker, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was confusing to Shula. Well, that's what it was supposed to be. We wanted it to be confusing. So he's on the rules committee, and because of us having the 14-man huddle, three men running off the last second, he gets a rule change where he can only have 11 men in the huddle. Interesting. So because of our... Our 14th man auto got the rule change from Shula, and it bit us in the butt against New Orleans. Well, it all came full circle, and so is this. So is this interview, Bob. We got to run. Um, it's always great to catch up with you. I, I appreciate your friendship uh, for all these years, going back to the early '70s, and look forward to seeing you back at US Bank uh, when the Vikings host the Philadelphia Eagles a week from Sunday. And take care, my friend. Always good chatting with you. Oh, you do a great, great job. Thank you for calling. Okay, our thanks to Bob Lertzema, a Vikings legend, for joining us. Always fun to have him around, including here on Skull Stories. Okay, Mark, Vikings and Giants, what are you looking for on Sunday? Uh, I'm looking for number eight to uh, to have a big game for the Minnesota Vikings. He needs it, and I think this offense needs it. And I think the Vikings need to get off to a good start. This just in. 
I don't know what it is about falling behind early in games, but um, uh, on the road, but they just seem to be a different personality. So uh, let's see them get off with the kind of start they've been getting off at home, and that would yeah. that would certainly uh, go volumes because the Giants are certainly a beatable team. Yep, and with the way this Vikings defense is playing, Rosie, a fast start for the offense is going to mean trouble for the Giants. But that's easier said than done. Correct. Every team has designs on starting fast. The Vikings did so in Week One against the Atlanta Falcons, getting up twenty-one to zero in the first half. Eventually, twenty-eight zero. It was all downhill from there. In week two, the Vikings were down 21-0 to the Green Bay Packers before they stormed back to make it a 21-16 game. Week three, the Vikings get off to another fast start, 21-0 against the Oakland Raiders, a game that they end up winning. Week four, slow start for the Vikings. They go down early, ended up being down 16-0 before scoring a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. So it has been a season of ups and downs in terms of fast or slow starts for the Vikings. They hope to be on the right side of a fast start on the road at MetLife Stadium against the New York Giants. going to be a fun game. In the meantime, as you're getting ready for this Vikings-Giants game, remember we've got programming every single night here on FM 100.3, The Fan. For example, on Tuesdays, you have Under Center with Kirk Cousins, also hosted by Mark Rosen, co-host of Skull Stories, where they break down last week's game, they look ahead to next week's game, and they talk about some other things in the quarterback and the Vikings' life. This week, Adam Thielen joined Kirk Cousins on Under Center. That is 6 to 7 p.m. every Tuesday evening on FM 100.3 The Fan. And then, of course, you can get it in on-demand fashion at KFAN.com and Vikings.com, as well as all the places you like to get your podcasts. Wednesday evenings at 6.30 is X's and O's with Mike Zimmer. Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer joins host and voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, for their weekly radio show every Wednesday evening at 6.30. Thursday night is Skull Stories. And then on Friday evenings at 6.30, yours truly hosts Vikings Final Prep. We get you up to date and caught up on all things Vikings and the opponent, including the latest injury news, getting you ready for the game the following Sunday. So lots of Vikings programming right here every single evening. We encourage you to check it out when it airs, as well as wherever you like to get all of your podcasts and wherever you like to consume on-demand content from the Vikings and the Vikings Entertainment Network, KFAN.com and Vikings.com. And we will hear what happens in this Vikings-Giants game. Of course, it's at noon central time, the kickoff at noon. You can listen to the game right here on FM 100.3, the fan and the Vikings radio network. Paul Allen will have the call. Pete Bursich in the booth, Greg Coleman and Ben Lieber on the sidelines. The pregame show is hosted by Mike Musman. That begins at 10 a.m. Again, our thanks to Bob Lertzema and thank you, Mark Rosen, for doing a great job. And thanks, everyone, for listening. That's it for tonight's episode of Scroll Stories.